be my own man, sustain my own crops, maintain my own plot. <laughs> I got a duo here. Welcome to Riddle Masterclass. And I appreciate you both coming to share your stories and I'll speak with us today. And I've known you and some of your work over time, but this is another way to get more depth, depth around who you are. And so I want each of you to um, introduce yourself individually and, and, your, and talk about your perspective of the history of the Buckeye neighborhood in Cleveland. You want me to go first? Right. Chicken can afford the egg. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, my name's Tony Johnson. Uh, I've been a resident of the uh, Buckeye neighborhood since 1978. I moved here with my parents for Sugar and Falls. And uh, in about 1990, I purchased my own house up the street on 119th and Buckeye. So I've been in the Buckeye neighborhood a long time. I seen the transformation uh, that has occurred. Uh, when we first came, it was a flourishing neighborhood with a lot of Hungarians and different ethnic groups. And they had uh, grocery stores, meat markets, bakeries, funeral homes, everything that somebody could look for, which is what makes a community a community, to have all of those different pots of resources available to you, which now they're pretty much depleted. Uh, let's see, and then I have a wonderful son, Julian Kahn. We do a lot of work together. I'm a social worker by profession. I have taught classes at Tri-C. I've been a student advisor. I've worked with the homeless population for 30 years or so, uh, since the early 90s. And so my passion is that homeless population and reentry along with my own community and the love that, you know, I always say, you got to love the people to serve the people. And that's my motto. Awesome. So, Julian, what's your perspective? Who are you? And how you how do you feel about Buckeye? Um, well, yeah, my name is Julian Kahn. Um, I'm also known as the uh, son of Tony Johnson. That's how most people know me. And... Um, yeah, I've been in Buckeye neighborhood my entire life, right? So um, I have some fond memories of it uh, being thriving and flourishing, like she mentioned. Um, but I have uh, most of my memories are stuck in the 90s and 2000s. And uh, that's kind of when a lot of the decimation and um, segment kind of happened. The fabric of the neighborhood was changing. Uh -huh. And uh, that's what kind of made me a little bit aware of what was transforming before my eyes. And uh, 
some of the dire work that needed to happen take place in order to sustain it and create a community of choice. So, um, yeah, I've worn a lot of hats in the neighborhood, and I've done everything in the neighborhood. I went through all of my K through 12 schooling in that neighborhood. I've owned businesses in that neighborhood. I've ran businesses in that neighborhood. I've worked at Rice Branch Library for 15-plus years in that space. I mean, you know, we can go on and on. I've really dedicated a lot of my life to that space, and it's um, held a mirror up to me and um, showed me who I was and uh, what I do in my work as an organizer, network builder, is try to hold a, a mirror up and show the neighborhood its beauty and remind it of its beauty and power opportunity at every intersection. So it's an interesting time because, you know, coming off of uh, what my mother described, um, here's a uh, neighborhood that's uh, primed for reinvention right now. Why? And um, that every corner of it is changing. Um, we've got uh, Woodhill up next, uh, the Choice Home, Plains, uh, CHN is there, Habitat for Humanity is there. That's just the Woodland Hills alone, Larchwares, Change, you know, Winter Bloomfield, Necrosburg, uh, Shaker Square, Morlet, Buckeye, Neighborhood Transformation Initiative, right, 93rd Drive, Alcatraz Corridor. This neighborhood is changed right before our eyes, right? It's the only can really hang our hats on some of uh, some lost um, amenities, you know, of yesteryear. But there's a new Buckeye that's being forged right in front of us, right? Okay. So our work and timing right now, um, it's important. Okay, so my next question, and you started to talk about this. So why is grassroots activism so important in today's culture? And I would also like you to add what are some of the challenges and or successes with that activism because you've been involved so, such a long time. So I was just thinking that Julian was speaking, you know, I can, back in the 80s, I was a, what you might call a community organizer when, when it was really uh, out there, when it was really, you know, making hits on people and standing in the uh public square and marching down uh, Broadway, you know, all these different things. I was a big part of all that. And that's where my early training and learning to interact with folks came from. I saw the importance of when you got an issue and a concern, if you can gather the people together, we can make a change. And so I think that what we're working towards now in Buckeye is gathering a consensus, gathering a group of people who are really motivated, who are concerned, not just coming to, to means to say, sign the, the um, signing sheet that I was here, or putting on your resume, say, oh, I'll volunteer with such and such. But I'm looking for people mm -hmm. that are motivated, they care, they love, they concern, uh, they want to see change in their community, and they're willing to get involved and do some of the hard work. Not just, you know, a lot of talk talk, but I think that now is the time because we could strike back. We had a Buckeye Woodland Community Congress that had, I mean, we would have 1,200 people at a convention. Oh. Then what, what, where'd they all go? I mean, their descendants are here. Mm. So, Carl, do you grow up in a household where your parents were activists and you're doing nothing? That's my question. So how do we spark that, you know, that little fire, that flame? 
and those folks again? How do we go back to them and say, hey, you know, your grandmother was, your grandfather, your auntie, your uncle. Don't let it die. Keep it moving. And so we really want to do some things in Buckeye. And I think that in Buckeye, when I say Buckeye, I mean the greater area also around Buckeye. And the people that we can convene that might be willing to, you know, like I said, get dirty, get dirty a little bit, you know, uh, take a part in what's what's moving. I mean, we got safety issues still. Nothing, all those things that we worked on in 1980 is still here. We're talking about safety in buildings. Uh huh. Talking about the maintenance, the upkeep, all this is still happening. So I don't think we can turn a deaf ear or a blind eye. We got to get moving and we got to do something quickly so that we don't lose the momentum that we're building up with Neighbor Up and other initiatives we got in the Buckeye neighborhood. Okay, Julie, that's. What she said. <laughs> you know, um, there's a, uh, we all know there's a fierce urgency of now. And I do think that there is a, um, there's a spirit of possibility that exists in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We've had a few wins, some small, some win, some big. Um, but you know, the hard part is staying together, right? We can always find reasons to come together, right, in our uh, reactive, uh, you know, mm-hmm. ways. But proactively, you know, I think the best thing that we can do is stay together. And that really takes for us to develop deep relationships with one another, with one another and um, to see value of one another, and really to cr- craft a, a vision for the neighborhood collectively, right? Um, this part or this section of the neighborhood isn't just mine. It's all of ours to share and to live in and to vibrate from, right? Um, Shaker Square, uh, Larchmere, Woodland Hills, they're all affected by Buckeye's well-being, right? Mm-hmm. Buckeye isn't doing well, and nobody around approximately mm-hmm. is going to be doing well, right? So um, I think that we've done a lot to create uh, a coalition of the willing and faithful in that neighborhood, and a lot of it is... Um, you know, is is due to the practices and the cultures that we've created in a lot of our meeting spaces and gathering spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that my mother mentioned the neighbor up um, piece because for me, that's what really kind of transformed me from being a uh, uh, someone in the stands to getting in the game, so to speak. Okay. Um, and that was where I kind of found the, the community that I was looking for. So when I spoke to some of the decimation and my front row seat in my neighborhood and seeing amenities and services, institutions leave. Um, I was growing in frustration and hopelessness. And to find the sort of community I didn't know that I needed, right? They didn't look like anybody I'd been around. They didn't, it was ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational, it was all of these things. It was an eclectic group of people. Um, I wasn't sure what we could get going in those spaces. But once we started talking, we realized, wow, we all want to change this space. But we all got this, we share the same finish line, right? Starting point looked different for all of us. And that's where we can kind of begin to collectively dream. And uh, that's where the magic happens. When a neighborhood starts to figure out what they care about, that's where the action steps come in, right? So... Um, my mother's history reminds me that there's more professionals now doing the work that community wants did for itself, right? So that to me is a standard that we can restore, and it's something that I um, work towards in, in my in, in my work. Um, 
how do we restore this idea of community that existed in the, in the 80s, um, creating this into a neighborhood of choice for the people who live here, for some of our legacy owners, mm-hmm. and more importantly, uh, cementing the black experience, right? Yes. Um, that neighborhood, Mount Pleasant, 50% demographic shift in the 70s when my grandparents and my mother moved into that space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been that way um, demographically since then. It's 40 plus years, 45 years. So when I see a Greater Circle Living Initiative that reference a old Buckeye, quote unquote, mm-hmm. are you referring to mine mm-hmm. or Hooch? Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Um, so who something is built for, our relationship with the space, intrinsic ownership, there are things that contribute to all the value gaps that we recognize throughout our lived experiences. Um, mm-hmm. Our group um, and our gatherings, so the many of them, um, are focused on so many of the the, the ills that contribute right. to our you know perspective and our reluctance to get involved. Right, it, it just didn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we were spoon fed um, hopelessness, you know, <laughs> over over some time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've hauled in on is um, where hope grows from, and it grows from very distinct places. And that's why the culture and the habits and the regular uh, regular meetings and, and stuff, um, it all has a, a very important place in uh, creating a neighborhood of choice. Thank you. Wow. So we're here at Riddall Farm and um, really want to understand what your connection to Riddall is and and how you got here and, and what's your involvement um, in this place, this space, in the community? Well, you know, I go back to uh, you, Kim Foreman, when we first started coming down here with some of those initiatives that you had, mm-hmm. you know, the healthy eating, the, the cooking classes, the trips to the with that market, the lolly, the trolley, and coming down to Riddall, which at the time, I believe there might have been just one hoop house standing. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of dirt. Well, they call it soil. Don't say right? dirt. I better say soil. <laughs> <laughs> but we were out there digging and, 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 and working with, a, you know, Will Allen at the time, who was a pioneer in this kind mm-hmm. of work, work. That's when it started for me. But I must admit that I, was, uh, I came periodically through that time. But then a few years ago, maybe five or six, Julian told Dame that I worked for the VA and they were starting a veterans initiative. (laughs) And I've been here ever since that really strong here with that veterans initiative. Right now, we've really gotten some momentum with the new mayor. Um, He's every, we were meeting once last year, every Tuesday right here in this space. We had three tables full of people concerned and, you know, expressing interest and desire to help a veteran. You know, don't let a veteran stand out there in the cold and not have a place to go or have some challenges around suicidal thoughts or mental illness or just not in the best place. Mm -hmm. And we've been working together. We had a... Salute to veterans. So, so you know, this has been, for me, working with this veterans initiative has really been a great opportunity for me. And I think coming here to Riddall has been great. So we do a lot here now. So on Fridays, this is a meeting place because the restaurant's open. 
So I can tell somebody, hey, you want to meet me here at noon? You want to meet me here at one? We could have a conversation and we can introduce other people to the space. Because a lot of people still. Isn't it surprising? I know. It's a They'll try to not stay off 81st Street. What? Where? Who? Yeah. So anyway, the, I love that opportunity to get people down here, uh -huh. over here, that have never had the opportunity. And it, it also helps me with my focus and my neighborhood, my community, and personally, with my health challenge. Absolutely. Because, you know, in our communities, what is it, 12 miles away, people got 25 more years added to their lives. And yeah. So this is the place where they got the green goods where you can get all the things that you need. You know, the, the master class, the class that I took with um, Dr. Greenhand and Marge. I mean, this is the start of being able to grow your own. It tastes so much better. We got a whole initiative here that we need to teach people and help them to see that prevention is the key. Hold on. That you don't have to keep on talking about now I got to take high blood pressure medicine, but you can start out and this is the place that can help you to do that. Great. Julian, what's your connection with Riddle? Oh, uh, yeah, so I was definitely here with my mother, uh -huh. and uh, all my credit goes to you, uh, Ken Former, but um, Tim Lewis, um, I was connected with Green in the Ghetto before then, mm -hmm. so I knew what he was doing, and um, jumping on the, the trolley here and there, and coming down here, and tapping in with Will Allen, it gave me the bigger picture. Um, so we were doing this work with the kids and the whole nine, which was great, right? I love seeing these babies come down here and get their hands in the soil the whole nine. Um, but what was happening beyond that, the classes and the vision and the aquaponics and all that stuff, that was blowing my mind. Okay. And the fact that um, this sprung out of nothingness, right? Mm -hmm. My recollection of this neighborhood, uh, derived from a series of articles that was in the newspaper was referring to this as the Forgotten Triangle. Absolutely. And he talked yeah. about how discarded this area was and how mm -hmm. it had grown into this space where it was just sullied. Mm -hmm. And it was, an, it, they almost primed it for nothingness, right? Perpetuity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this rising like a phoenix from the ashes, it's a, it's a testimony, mm -hmm. you know? And it's something that we all can um, really pull hope and inspiration from, to say the very least. Um, but what was really restorative for me was, you know, all the previous work that we were doing in our neighborhood through Buckeye Hill with Healthy Eating and Active Living. Mm -hmm. And uh, we could give you another shout out here, Kim, when we were doing all those sock gardens, 140 some odd sock gardens that one summer. And um, you, it reminded me. In that moment, I didn't think about all these words that we use now about ancestral DNA and what's in our, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. But it reminded me of when I used to be in my grandparents' backyard and I was part of my daily Absolutely. regiment going out there and watering, mm -hmm. right? So, wow, here we are putting these gardens back in these neighborhoods and these folks is getting back up there. that ancestral DNA, right? We tapping back in with what's already in, in us, building, rebuilding this, redeveloping, re, you know, this, this relationship with the natural world. Um, we were progressing into that space. But, of course, man, if we did all of this advantageous work in the summer, where is it going, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to find this space and to see, like, here's some folks that are 15 steps ahead, 20 steps ahead of us, this is who we need to hitch our wagon on to. That's what I kept okay. thinking. You know, this is the space. This is where it's all growing from, mm -hmm. pun intended, and this is where it's going as well. 
And so when I think about today, I was absolutely right. Because when, as the city, you know, we talk about climate migration and very real things that are going to happen and people moving to these northernmost states, right? Mm -hmm. It's a whole other migration for us. Yeah. But what's our role here? And when we talk about urban forestry, this is the epicenter of it. Mm -hmm. So programming, anything else, it has to go through here. Yes. And the great thing about it is we can ensure that there's going to be the right players here. It's going to be culturally relevant and it's going to be nimble enough to you know, to move from our perspective and our lived experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's the most, that's the sort of restoration that we have been marching in the streets for since, you know, forever, you yeah. know? So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it, it's a great reminder that, um, you know, for, for trees to, to grow, seeds need to be planted. Yeah. And there's a lot of space in this broken society for seeds to be planted. Yeah. Speaking of seeds, I could go down like memory lane, so that's why I kept quiet because I'll start talking and we'll be here for two hours. But I really appreciate, you know, your insight and the conversation and the fact that you lead with love, and I appreciate that. So I would say, uh, welcome to the master class where we know you're the masters of Buckeye, and we will continue to follow you as well as we continue to grow the movement, learn, and, and work together. So thank you so much. Thank you for your time, and talk to you later. <laughs>